Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Are we, are we good? Yep. Why? Don't worry. I got this one. Bingo, bango. Howdy, 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 movie lovers. Welcome back to the Trashy Podcast. It's the show where we're out to prove there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. And we're giving these discarded gems a second chance. I'm Keith. That's Elliot. And we're talking movies, baby. Beer, 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 beer. Auga. What are some um, yeah. other funny sounds we could make? Like a laser? Like a zip, 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 like that? Yeah. That wasn't very funny. I'm sorry. No, nah, that, I phoned that in. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. How are we doing? I'm, What's going I'm, on? You know. We survived the gonna... Arctic blast. Yeah, which was like it was cold, but like we didn't get any of the snow. Uh, I like I extreme the... cold. You do? I think it feels good. It feels good to walk around in it, as long as it's, like, dry and not treacherous, you know? Sure. Like, the lack of ice was good for driving and, and walking around yeah. on sidewalks and stuff. I like that. It's definitely unique, right? It's something like, okay, yeah, this, but I'm happy when it goes away. Sure. I wouldn't want it all the time to where it's, like, yeah. uh, causes all the plumbing problems and you know right. freezes the liquid on your eyes and your nose hairs right. and stuff like that but yeah just that a couple like, days yeah yeah and that like that crisp cold air in your lungs feels good and like layering up feels good having like gloves mm-hmm. and a hat on and then like um just um i don't know just that feeling of like all the moisture getting sucked out of your skin by the cold and just like being sort of shocked, feeling like you've like fell into the ocean, but you're totally dry. Like you do one of those, uh, like, uh, you know, new age health freak cold plunges or something. Yeah. Or like a cryo tube, you know, cryostasis. Yeah. Mm. They have those. Yeah. So you just yeah, walk in and I mean, you stand up, you know, it also gives you an excuse to not do anything and just eat like soup yeah stews chili yeah yeah so that's kind of nice yeah i did that got the flu over it so that wasn't too much fun still recuperating from that like definitely i don't think i'm like a like a you know plague victim spreading germs anymore but just have the whole residual goo in your chest so forgive me everyone if i sound like i'm about to die do you think you uh, contracted a, a like a virus or a bacteria that like thawed out from a larger like the ancient times? Yeah. Well, see, I would. That's what I would think if I had gotten, I had gotten it in the summertime, right? Because the cold of anything would have frozen more viruses. It's a fun thought, but no, I don't think that happened. Or maybe it Could blew. Be. It blew in with the the Arctic front, maybe. Yeah. Could be a could be a brand new virus, you know. Yeah, we know what that's we know what that's like. What if? Did you ever think about that? Like, uh, that's just something I started thinking about. Like after, you know, the onset of COVID. Is what if you knew you were patient zero? Oh, like Tom Hanks and his wife. Right. I mean, like they weren't the first to get it, but they were like the like the first like uh. They were the first Americans. Fa- and then, first really faint no the first really famous people to no get, they were right? the total complete first 
number one Americans documented <laughs> documented yes I'm saying like what if there was a way to trace back and be like yo this is the very first human being like what if they were able to do that right that'd be pretty cool and then well how would you feel if you knew you were patient zero to COVID I would right? feel kind of bad I guess but also if I was able to know that information, I would think I would act accordingly. I think everyone would. Well, maybe mm. not everyone, but you know what I mean? Like, I would be like, oh, there's like, I have a little bit of an extra responsibility here. Well, I mean, but you did, you didn't, like, you mean like when you or got you would sick, find you out knew? retroactively. Retroactively. Like, they're like, or posthumously. Oh, they're right. They're like, well, you know, in this scenario, you are alive. Like, you survived. COVID operates the same. Kills millions of people. Right, but you find but out you later. Are, right, like, the, you know, people, the, the scientists start noticing people are getting sick. It's a new virus. They identify the new virus. And then they're, if it had a bit an ability to trace it back to its you know, origin, and like, this is when it jumped from animals to humans, and this was the guy, and that guy is you, then what? You know, like, well, I how, guess what, at that point, it's more important for the eggheads to know than anyone else right but me. what's the mental what's the mental impact on you you know i don't know i don't think you can nest unless you sort of did something like you know sneezed on some someone on purpose or like spit in someone's mouth right. as a as a prank then you would sort of carry the guilt but i think otherwise you might not uh i don't but i, I mean don't. people have guilt in scenarios like where the only they're the only one who survived a plane crash you know Oh like yeah, it's not their re- it's not their fault or responsibility, but they do still carry that guilt. So what if like it's not your fault that you got COVID or you know uh, that you were the first person? But do you do you have guilt behind it? Do you are you like I am the world's greatest mass murderer? Like if only I hadn't uh, eaten that pangolin, you know? I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, if I hadn't eaten that poison bat, I yeah. uh, I don't think I would revel in it. Mm-hmm. Or like you know, want to be sort of infamous, or like you know, I think some people would lean into it. They'd like start a YouTube channel and like make videos about it and stuff. I definitely wouldn't do something like I, that. I wouldn't start lie. a podcast I, I, about it. I would probably try to monetize it. Yeah, I'd be like, this is my ticket out out of you know the daily drudgery. Get a movie of the week. No, but then me. you get typecast, right? Then you're the just that guy. You're like the guy who got. Uh, he got all those like logos tattooed on him. Right. You know, it's like you're just that guy or the uh like the they got the crocodile guy or whatever, you know? The alligator like Yeah, the alligator Steve he's Irwin. all like covered in tattoos and stuff. Oh, that guy, not Steve Irwin. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's like I, there's no yeah, escape from it. I'd mean Mike, I'd probably monetize it in terms of like uh not like being a guy covered in logos or like showing up on late night TVs as like a, you know, in a, in a germ costume. But if there was a way to make money off of it, I would. And I would use that money to buy an Island. See, that's another thing I don't understand. Like when these celebrities, like with, you know, this whole Johnny Depp thing and whatnot, he's like, Oh, my career is ruined. I'm going to follow suit for defamation. Like, dude, you own an Island. You can just live on that island forever. 
Like I would just any t- if I got if I was one of those guys and I got accused of anything, I just disappear, you know, and be rich by myself. Yeah, I think maybe you get addicted to that though, and also mm-hmm. I'm sure his team is in his ear about that kind of stuff. Sure, you know, like I'm we som- always. I'm being somewhat facetious, obviously. Sure, but we see the headlines of like so and so is suing for blah. blah. Well, so and so like his legal team, his attorney advised him to do so. Right. Right. It's not necessarily like, I I'm sure there is in a lot of those cases, the, the party behind it is sort of maybe lukewarm on it, but they're, I mean, there's even some like, uh, like there is that country singer who is like, uh, it was like so-and-so sues, uh, this other artist for using a sample of their song. And then he found out later through the headlines and was like, huh? I didn't even know they were doing this, but oh, like really? th- they, yeah, they have people working on that stuff independently while they're off doing other things. But so you okay. would get an island and then uh, start uh, crossbreeding uh, animals that should never be absolutely bred together. Yeah, yeah. Why then not I'd monetize? Then I'd monetize that. Like eventually, like yeah. How much money do you actually need? And I get that it gets like taxed into the ground and you need to have some assets and things like that so that you can stay wealthy, but like damn. Isn't the whole point of getting rich so you don't have to work anymore? I mean, yeah, but I think for some people who get super rich like that, it's the money is just a symbol of power. Yeah. And they, you know, they want more and more and more and more and more, you know. One is isn't it's that like, like the sort of the the ironic trap of that lifestyle it's like the the way to get that type of wealth is to always want more and always be leveling up and right doing more but then like once you start that like you can't really stop right i mean like think look at amazon right like literally everyone who works for amazon from like ground up could be wealthy yeah you know you could be an amazon driver and be you know just like the the part-time Amazon drivers who live right out of their like their Volkswagen. You could do that. They could pay those people enough that they could be just like totally set, you know, come, you know, not, not, don't have to worry about money and whatnot, but then Jeff Bezos wouldn't be the richest man in the world. You know, he yeah. wouldn't have that title, you know, or, or this person would be worth more than him. Like, that's the those are the empires now, right? He could be the most generous man in the world. Wouldn't that be wild? No, no, no. That's for that's for suckers, right? <laughs> we used to cut like we as you know, people used to conquer lands and kingdoms, right? Sure. And that's how you expanded. Well, now you have to do that with commodities and airspace and wealth. You know, that is how you become the king now. Yeah. Welcome to our new podcast about socio-political history and economics. Yeah, we're talking uh, capitalism and uh, I don't know, celebrity gossip too. Yeah. Just kidding. anyway, no, we're going to talk about some movies here. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you've been uh, you haven't been moving very much. What have you been watching lately? Well, you know, that's the kind of the thing. You know, you th- you think when you're sick. You- you know, you like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and watch all this movies and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Usually if I'm sick enough to be out of commission, also my attention span is not really there. Yeah, it can get hard, right? When you're like at that yeah. point. 
So I kind of turned to, I did watch some movies, you know, but I'd be like more, I would be more like in the evening after the day is done, you know, just like any other normal person. But during the day, I was mostly watching like true crime docs and crap uh, documentaries about cults and yeah, stuff talking like Talking heads. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Stuff where it's like, you don't, you can kind of like pick up what's going on, even if you're distracted or if you stop it for a minute to go do something else. Or if you you're close really... your eyes, you can just still hear it because everyone's yeah, exa- just. Exactly. Like you're not, you don't lose the momentum from taking breaks or something or getting distracted because you have to throw up or whatever, you know? My favorite uh, thing is when I'm sick and like, I'll judge my degree of sickness by how, how much action I can tolerate. So I'll sit down and be like, all right, let's see uh, Mad Max Fury Road. And if I'm like, my immediate reaction is like, I can't fucking look at that. Then I'm, (laughs) I know I'm really sick. Yeah. Like I did something similar. Like Step Brothers is like a comfort movie for me. And I threw that when I was like going into fever mode, I threw that on. And I was like, if I can't even like enjoy this, I'm really sick. And that was, that was the case. Yeah, that's not an action-packed movie, but there is a little bit of uh, some spurts of energy. Yeah, from the characters, and then some like music video stuff and whatever. So I can see right. how you that would be a good litmus test. Yeah, so there. Yes, yeah, did something similar similar to that. Um, what did I watch though? That I well, I guess our kind of our we're gonna bounce around today. This is gonna kind of be kind of a mini episode. Um, our main focus of show is going to be the movie Bottoms, but other stuff I watched, uh, watched um, Theater Camp, which I thought, which I really enjoyed, um, which is kind of like a mockumentary about a theater camp for kids. Let's see, uh, I finished up the Nathan Fielder, Emma Stone, Benny Safdie series, The Curse, which I cannot recommend enough. It's one of the best pieces of television I've seen in a long time, and it's like a 10 episode self-contained series so it's there's gonna be no other seasons or anything um i want to ask you one question about that because i watched a couple episodes and i was like all right i see what you're doing and i see the sort of trajectory of like oh but believe me you don't see where this is going well that's what i was gonna ask like is it worth it just to arrive at the destination yes i mean for me like for me um I understand that this is not necessarily a show for everybody. And some people I've talked to are just like, oh, I can't watch it because it makes me too anxious or uncomfortable. Like the way some people talk about like Curb Your Enthusiasm or it's just like everybody's just so cringy that you just like, Ugh. you know, it's just hard to watch. And I understand that that's, that's a thing for some people. I really lean into stuff like that and I kind of get like a thrill out of it. So it's like very well suited to my sensibilities. But I think if you, beyond that, if you just, the more you watch the show, the more you see what's going on with these characters and these side stories. And not all of the side stories, like, they don't necessarily all, like, tie up at the end, which is fine, the way the show is kind of structured and plays out. And I will say that the ending, I completely did not see coming at all, but also at the same time, didn't seem out of place. So with without giving anything away, that's all I'll say about that. But yeah, I just realized like pretty early on, I was like, "Oh, if I stick with this, like I'm not gonna, I'm not writhing in my seat at all the awkwardness and 
Yeah. Whatever. I don't care about that stuff. It's just going to be a grind for me to have to sit through all that to get mm-hmm. to the really interesting part. I think I'll do it, but yeah, I won't have to like it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, for me, I really, I mean, like from like the first episode, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else have I watched besides Bottoms, which we'll talk about in a little bit? I feel like there was something else significant that I was like, oh, that was good, but it's just drawn a blank. How about you? Thanks for asking, Elliot. I watched a couple of scenes from Taxi Driver. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, have you never seen that movie? I've never sat down and like watched it in its entirety, like from start really? to finish. No. It's just such, it's one of those super famous. I was like that with The Shining for many years. Sure. Also, it's just like such a famous movie that I was like, I don't really need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know what it was. Like, I just sort of got uh, got interested in it. I wanted to hear the narration too. Like, I like the diary entries and all that, that kind of stuff. I, I can't remember if I talked about this on the last episode, but I watched the uh, the Dane Cook, uh, I guess, comeback comedy of 2006, Employee of the Month. Was that his wow. comeback or was that at the height of his power? I don't even remember. I, I don't really know. Did but uh, it's also got like Dax Shepard and Jessica Simpson. and. This is not like a, that is not, if that is the height of your power is a movie with Dax Shepard and uh, Jessica Simpson, you're in bad shape. It's a arguably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's I'm not so surprised. bad. It's so it's not even you know like a lot of times like these sort of vehicle comedies can are at least like fine or whatever mm-hmm. or like if you're you know having like a brain dead moment you can chuckle at a couple of things. Right, there was like not background stuff. one thing in this that was funny at all. Mm-hmm. Not a single moment it was so it even got the whole like um like retail like quirky retail culture type thing like not even close like that's such an easy like there was a like a slew of movies that were like oh uh you know people who work as wait staff are uh, they're a different breed and here's a glimpse into their lifestyle or like People who work slackers who work in retail stores and they have adventures and you know their own little specific culture or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's just it's got nothing. It's just fucking the dirt worst piece of shit. Yeah, was I don't awful. really think he ever had like a. I mean, he was a terrible stand-up comedy comic who got popular for some reason. It's and so funny. That, you should watch like stand-up clips from him back when he was like selling out arenas and shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so. It's such a like a glimpse into like this brief window, where like just being random was like the height of comedy. Right. Well, there's always a guy like that, right? There's always and all this. There's there's only ever like about at any given time. There's maybe like one person like that, a comedian, who is not like not funny at all but just taps into like a very like kind of like a pedestrian base level yeah. of you know like i'm not even gonna say like fart humor because sometimes farts can be can be funny sure. you know at times but just like the very just a the type of humor where like a fart in and of itself is funny like a fart noise if that makes you laugh then you would this is the guy for you yeah right 
and they'll become massively popular, but there's only enough one for room for one of them at a time, whether that be him or Larry the Cable Guy or, you know, somebody of that ilk. Sure. Even not to say that they're exact type of comedians, but like it's tapping into the same type of thing. Right? No, it is interesting too because it is such a universal thing and like their mega popularity is due to the fact that it is so relatable and approachable. Not in like a meaningful or clever way, but in just like right. sort of the most base. Right. And then whenever that person tries to then transcend that level of their career, whether it be go into movies or have their own TV show or whatever, they always fail. Oh, yeah. Almost yeah. almost inevitably, you know? I'm sure there are exceptions, but like I can't think of any off the top of my head. So the rule is that they fail. No, you and then find that's the, the end of their career. Quick. What's up? Yeah, you f- they find the ceiling real quick. Right, yeah. And then that's and then they disappear and that's what paves the opens up the door for another singular comedian to take that spot. Right. You know, and then they will go through the same cycle. So I don't really know if you I don't think he ever had a comeback or the height of height of his powers was definitely before he started doing movies in the first place. Yeah. I'm so that sucked. That. Don't watch that. But I think it's it's also fun to just go back and watch stuff that I skipped. I I was like, there's no way this looks like fucking bullshit. I would never watch this in a million years. And just now seeing if I was right. Like the morbid curiosity aspect. Yeah, definitely. It. And just also like, wow, like I remember people talking about this and everyone went to see it. And like, you know, I was the only naysayer and a hater and just, you know the one with a bad attitude and like, oh, well, maybe I'm vindicated a little bit. That's cool. You said you watched some clips of Taxi Driver. Did that lead you to actually watching the movie or did you just watch some clips? No, I just watched the clips. Oh, okay. (laughs) You should watch the movie. Nah. It's pretty good. You know what's actually funny? Let's cut you off really quickly. There's not a lot of like, uh, when I think about, you know, what are your favorite movies or favorite directors? There's not a lot of people I would call my favorite directors and a lot of my favorite movies aren't necessarily directed by directors that I love or anything. You know, you look at their filmography and most of them just like, yeah, that's fine. It's good, whatever, but it's not my thing. But then they have one or two movies that I really like. Right. And then it was kind of funny because I would not have said, you know, Scorsese is one of my favorite directors, but the other day, so it's coincidental that you did this. I was just kind of looking through his filmography and I was like, I really love that movie. I really love that movie. I really love that movie. And not all of them are like his big hits either, you know, of uh, the, the ones that I'm like, like really, really love. And I was like, man, is he one of my favorite directors? And I just didn't even realize it because his filmography is so massive. Uh, but yeah, he really does put out a lot of bangers, huh? So you love Shutter Island. I actually hate Shutter Island. <laughs> That was the one when everyone came out. I was like, have you seen this movie? It's so dope. It's so crazy. And I watched it and I was like, I do not like this movie. I, I hate the fucking... The ending is so dumb. Well, I don't want to sound like uh, know-it-all, but like, man, that's one of the times where I guessed the ending like right from the right. trailer. I was like, "Is it? am I the only one seeing how obvious this is? Like, right. They're not even well, like, the, trying. That was the thing. I was like, when he's walking up that tower and I'm like... Oh my God, it's going to be this, you know, that like, yeah, he's the patient or it's something else or whatever. It's going to be some dumb twist. And I was like, 
please get up there. Please get up there. And the Nazis are doing brain experiments up there. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, that would, the amazing twist would be that it was the most obvious, like, the red herring was the real thing, you know? Uh, and I was just like, you have an opportunity to do this. Don't go the other direction. And then, boom, it's like, you've been a patient the whole time. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I couldn't believe. I was like, why is Martin Scorsese doing a movie like this? This doesn't really seem like it has anything to say about anything. Right. You know, usually he's commenting on culture or documenting something or expressing something uh, in some meaningful way. But, like, I don't know. It just seemed like uh, some bullshit. Yeah. Like, he's like, I want to make a detective movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, is it a technically well-made movie? Sure, you know, but, like, that doesn't change how st- stupid the story is. Yeah. Anyway, um, what, I, what were you going to say before I cut you off? Oh, yeah, I watched a couple other movies. Uh, Saltburn. Oh, yeah, people are really talking about that one. I don't know why there's such a, like, a controversy about this movie. It is like a uh, it's like a thriller and it's full of debauchery yeah. and and all kinds of stuff. But this is like a it's a, a just a newer version of movies that we you know thrillers we had in the nineties, right? Yeah, it's just like a remixed. You can tell where the the inspiration comes from, and that's fine. There's a a handful of scenes that are really like memorable and provocative. And yeah. I'd, I'd even go so far as to say there's one scene that I don't think I've ever seen in a movie before, mm. which was pretty cool. So it's not anything like, it's not going to uh, sort of change the way we look at movies or like, you know, change culture. But uh, if you're growing up, if you're like a teenager or in your early 20s and you watch this movie, it's probably going to stick with you. It's going to be yeah. like some of those formative movies that we had during that period. But for a, a younger audience, obviously. For older people, they're going to you know, see right through it. But I think on a long enough timeline, that's what happens. Is eventually oh, of you, course, yes. you start to see through the influences and, and those references. And so you just stop enjoying movies the way you the used way, to. Yeah. Because they're yeah. just not fresh anymore. And well, that's I think fine. you're always kind of like... You're always kind of like chasing the dragon to get that experience of like, I've never seen anything like this before, you know? Yeah, but it gets harder and harder. Like if if you're a movie person, right, who's like, I watch all these different types of movies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like when you're younger and you're like, wow, I I just rented this, you know, know, weird Japanese horror movie. Never seen anything like it. And then – you know, you start watching more and you're like, oh, this wasn't new and original. This was derivative of, which not necessarily, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it was derivative of all these old movies that I just never seen before. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, I think maybe the reason why people are, as someone who hasn't seen Saltburn, just as just my like observation of what's going on, I think possibly the reason why people are freaking out about it is because it was released in theaters, but it was also released on Amazon Prime, like, right around the same time, right? And people will just throw things on. So they like like oh, Saltburn, what's this? British actors, blah blah blah, and then they're like they're not expecting it. And for me, like I didn't know what the movie really was about. Like my impression of what the movie was about was radically different 
than what it is. And I wasn't until people started seeing it and telling me what was going on or I started hearing what was happening in the movie that I was just like, oh, that's what the movie was about? Because I yeah. thought it was like just like a pretty much like a straightforward like great Gatsby type thing. Like somebody like infiltrating high society in in England or whatever or wherever it takes place. Uh, and then I was like, oh, there's, they, they, they fuck a grave and you know, all that stuff. I was like, I didn't know that was that type of movie. So if you're just like, just like streaming through, you know, scrolling through Amazon prime, you're like, oh, this is that British thing. I, I like Downton Abbey and you click on it and then you go like, what, you know, I think in that respect, it can be like jarring, you know, cause it's just like not what you were expecting it to be rather than it being wholly original in and of itself, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I think that's kind of why I think if it was a, if the movie was a fully theatrical movie, you know, and had more, uh, marketing, uh, surrounded by, cause, cause movies that are released on streaming generally don't have as much marketing because people will just click on them and watch them. Uh, if there was more marketing and more of a, a vibe being sold up front before the release, I think it wouldn't be considered as shocking as it is. Yeah, you remember when we used to know almost nothing about movies? Mm-hmm. Like, we'd see a trailer or, like, a TV spots and be like, whoa, wow, what's that? Yeah. Crazy. You and you have to, like, see... you have to read magazines and, like, trades right. and newspaper stuff. Like, you'd really have to go out of your way to find things out about movies. But you would actually, but you would at least know what the movie is. Like, I'll scroll through stuff, you know, like, on Netflix, and I'll be like, what the fuck is this like Brad Pitt movie that came out last year? Yeah. On on Netflix. And I was like, I, oh, I guess this is a big movie that I haven't even heard of. You know? Like I don't understand why on Netflix they don't have a trailers section. I mean they do, but you have to uh yeah, you have to like go into the menu a little bit. No, I understand that. I'm just saying like that should be like Oh, like a completely separate section. Like when you know, like you you go on and it has new releases, yeah, and this and that. It should have like trailers of things coming soon, and be like, and you can scroll through, like, oh, what's this movie? And just it's just the trailer. You don't have to like click on the movie, scroll down, yeah. to chapters, and then at the bottom of chapters, there's a trailer down there. And no, whatever. but being able to see them before the movie hits Netflix. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do they do put out some trailers, but yeah, they're not like they front put them out center. on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. You know, but like they don't have like on their actual streaming app, they don't have one. Which I'm sure there's a reason, but it seems very odd to me. And it does seem like a lot of stuff disappears in there. So maybe these eggheads uh, Netflix don't know what, what the, everything. Yeah, maybe it's you. Maybe you know all the stuff they should do with all their money. Yeah, well, they should just listen to Elliot because he's got it. Whatever. Watch a nice. movie or don't. I don't fucking care. Or don't, yeah. Shut the fuck up. All right, I also well. watched uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Licorice Pizza. Oh, yeah. You were saying that you last. You texted me last night and you said it was outstanding. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I, hadn't, I didn't catch it during the big wave, you know, the yeah. Oscar talk and all that. And uh, I thought it was a fantastic movie. So, but doesn't it like not really uh, address the fact, in a, the creepiness of the fact that she's like, 25 and it literally does that's half of the point of the movie is that oh, this, really? this character is in like a quarter life crisis she has right. a conversation with her sister where she's like do you think it's weird that i hang out with this kid and all his friends i think it's weird but she, but she is she like portrayed as a predator she's or? in turmoil no because it's not yeah. about 
it's not about that. It it is about their tumultuous relationship, but like right. she's like in a quarter life crisis and the the kid is weird because he's young, but he acts much older and like tries mm. to pretend to be this guy. Yeah, I don't know, but like but that's the about... whole point is exploring that. But it's not right. it's not about and I'm like I'm not saying you can't have a movie about this subject, but just like what is the tone and attitude that the movie takes because I mean, think about if you transpose the genders in this scenario, right? And I understand that power dynamics between men and women are different, but the power dynamics between adults and children is also very different. So I think that should kind of be paramount here. If this was a story of where it was a guy in his mid-20s and a 15-year-old girl, I don't think the like the lightheartedness, around, you know... I think it would be definitely considered creepier if it wasn't played out without really being like, this guy is a creep. That's true. But uh, I also think that people would get their their feathers ruffled sort of no matter what. But I also think yeah. that movie has been made. I can't think of a... I can't think of a... Uh, exact reference. But it, it sort of comes off in the same way as like... Um, What's that Zach Braff movie where he, his shirt matches the wallpaper? Oh, are you talking about uh, fuck with the Natalie Portman? Yeah. Garden State? Yeah. Yeah, Garden State. It, it's sort of like that. Oh, I don't like that movie, so I don't think I'll No, like I don't movie. either, but that's the first okay. thing I could think of where they're, they've, they've established a friendship in like these weird times in their life, and they're sort of trying to figure a way out of these holes that they're in right and then um and that's the story is yes. them trying to navigate this like confusing uncertain difficult time they're not necessarily the heroes of the story like there's right. bad qualities about both of the characters right I it's mean, not, it's also, not I one mean, of those stories like, where you're like yeah. rooting and then it I also the... fills in the gaps where like you you think that something is supposed to happen next like it would follow the formula and then it doesn't really. So like it sort yeah. of like wanders around. And I think I guess the way it was uh, like portrayed to me was by people that people have seen it is that it was kind of just like treated their relationship was treated as more or less. Okay. You know, well, it's not even really a relationship in, no. in, in traditional terms. Like it's it very much stays a friendship. Okay. Uh, so there's, it's like, He's really into her, but it's more or less of a platonic relationship. Yeah, but she, but, she, like... but she also is getting something out of this that she thinks she needs. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a little more complex, and that's what I liked okay. about it. The ending is stupid, but also con- confusing and debatable. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was pretty interesting. But it's just a really good movie with like lots of interesting characters and situations, lots of memorable locations. Like I can think of like four or five like, oh, remember when they went here and did this or remember when this happened and they were at the thing and and then this guy showed up. And your your old buddy Tom Waits uh, wanders into the goddamn Yeah, he's in there. I know that. Yeah. But Um, and and it also has like a feeling and like a look. There's that that feeling in a movie where you feel like you've sort of like transcended like into the screen, like you've gone past 
to where you're a, a you're standing in the movie watching this stuff happen versus sitting outside watching people make a movie. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. I was like, okay. oh, this is that feeling that we used to like the the, the <laughs> that feeling you talked about, like where you're chasing the dragon. I was like, yes. oh, I'm in the movie, just like in Last okay. Action Hero. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, this gives me enough to be inclined to watch it. Um, th- there was enough things going against it, like on a surface level for me, where it's one like Paul Thomas Anderson as a director, as someone who's like, you've made some good movies. You also made some movies I think are complete bullshit. Yeah. He's definitely a technically talented, you know, oh, yeah. filmmaker. He knows like how cameras work and things like that. There's no question there, right? But also I'm just like, I'm like, you are also up your own ass a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, probably, I've not seen everything he's made, but probably my favorite thing he's done is Heart 8, which is his first movie. I haven't seen it in a really long time, so. Uh, that's funny. I saw that pop up somewhere, and I was like, oh, I should watch that. But that's the one of his movies that just kind of like, is I think most regarded as just like his most like straightforward, like crime drama movie. Uh, but to me, it's his least pretentious sure. movie that I have seen. Where it's like, I think a lot of his stuff I've seen is like trying to like make something deep out of something that necessarily isn't that deep and uses that technical skill as a filmmaker to kind of like pull a magic trick into thinking that like this kind of, you know, like very like simplistic idea is bigger than it is, you know, with technical wizardry. Um, and I kind of, I mean, like, once again, this is just my opinion. Like, I'm not saying I'm the authority on movies. But I see through it, you know, to me. Sure. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, this is incredibly shallow, but there's a lot of flashing lights around it trying to make it look like a big thing. Uh, well, I think here's the thing is you can you can do something as simple as like a portrait of something. Like, yeah. for example, there will be blood, right? If, if Which I actually haven't seen that one. Holy shit. I know. I know. That's and wild that's one, to me. And that's one I think I actually probably would like, but because of just like how much I have been lukewarm on other stuff, you know. That is shocking to me. I, I just never watched it. You know? Well, let me know as soon as you do. I would yeah. love to hear your thoughts because, well, that was going to be my example because people make a lot out of that because of Daniel Day-Lewis and, and all yeah. the sort of mystique behind him and all that shit, but... At the end of the day, it's fundamentally it's simply in its in its rawest form, it's a portrait of greed, right? Right. It's it, and that's it. And it's you can portray a, a a portrait like that in in lots of different ways. You can it could be as simple as a uh, like a charcoal sketch, right? Rough yeah. and raw, or it could be as grandiose as like a fresco painted on the ceiling of a church, like complicated and taking years and years to complete but they're both portraits of the same thing right right and the the ideas are very uh uh simple at the end of the day so well and simple i'm not i'm not saying i have a problem with simple ideas whatsoever i think a lot of times people get caught up in trying to make things over complicated yeah and just like no just run with that base emotion because you boil it all down and that's what it is my more thing of saying like where the shallowness comes from it's like you know that uh 
there's that National Lampoon's cover where it's like, buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. Yeah. And it's got it, the covers, got the gun held to a dog's head. Simple you know, and elegant. <laughs> That's what I like. Right. About. But it's, <laughs> but it's also like a very like cheap tactic, you know, where it's like trying to invoke emotion out of somebody, somebody by opening the scene with someone's pet dying. Right. Yeah. And that's the first thing. And it doesn't actually tie into the plot. It's like throwing in a tragedy that has nothing to do with what's going on other than the sense that you're trying to elicit sympathy for a character without earning it. And I feel like that's a lot of what his movies are, but with so many bells and whistles around it, you know? Yeah. That it's like, it's the, by watch this movie or I'll shoot this dog really dressed up. And he's one of those directors that I mean, like, maybe you'd be better if you weren't a writer, you know, like, maybe you'd be a better direct, maybe you'd be more suited to directing someone else's screenplay, you know, because there's lots of directors out there who, who are primarily that, and then they've tried to write their own movie, and it hasn't been great, you know, but have done great work when they're not writing their own movie, you know, that's kind of where I stand with him. And that's one of that's one of the things uh, that has kind of deterred me from licorice pizza. That and just the way some other people had like described it, it'd be like, not so much the way you did it, but just kind of like, be like, like, oh yeah, they just treat it like it's totally normal and fine that she's dating this fifteen year old. And I was just like, okay, I, I, don't, don't, I don't know really. where people got that at all. Like that is not present in the movie. Well, sometimes people I've noticed it is absolutely too, not treated as normal. I mean, I'm going in with a pre. I have a preconceived notion of what the movie is. Before I've watched it, right? Yeah, keep and those expectations because I think you'll right. be pleasantly surprised. And I think sometimes when people go in with a preconceived notion, other people, you know, I have one, but I have not seen the movie. If I saw the movie, I think my opinion would change. Some people never let go of that preconceived notion. Yeah. There's another thing, too, where sometimes if someone doesn't stand up and say to you in the movie, say, this is the bad guy then they don't realize that it's a bad guy. Yeah. Right? Then they'll be like, the movie, you brought up Taxi Driver earlier. I was listening to somebody talk about that. And they were saying like, yeah, I don't understand like why we're supposed to like Travis Bickle. He's like racist and all this, and he's violent and crazy. And I'm like, you're not supposed to like him. No, he's just the... Like, the, uh, the He's the protagonist. Yeah, but that doesn't it, necessarily make him the hero. Right, and like no one re- I mean like he has arguments with Sybil Shepherd and stuff uh, her character but there's never like a, a good guy who goes up and goes this is the bad guy right and without that without having that avatar to sit you know for the audience some audience members can't compute they can't do the math for themselves they can't make they can't let the action speak for, on their own and they say like well the movie didn't specifically tell me that this is bad so therefore the movie thinks it's good you know when that's it the movie's asking you something it's not telling you something right yeah so yeah now i'm actually kind of intrigued i probably will not watch it but think about how i should i am also uh fired up about paul thomas anderson movies because i'm realizing i haven't seen most of his filmography i've seen boogie nights and i've seen magnolia And there will be blood, and that's it. I haven't seen The Master or Inherent Vice, or I haven't even seen Punch Drunk Love. I've seen, I like Punch Drunk Love. Well, that was the, going back to Saltburn, right? That was one of those movies 
where like that hit us in our formative years and that was kind of a big deal for like yeah. younger people like yeah. everyone was talking about it because not only was it like a a, a completely uh left hard left turn for Adam Sandler but it was also a weird just like it had that independent film style that like when you're yeah. younger like really resonates right absolutely i don't know if i would like it as much and that's a really good point i don't know if i'd like it as much if i revisited it now i think i probably still would like it but i wouldn't be like oh this is great you know yeah i've seen yeah i've seen boogie nights which is fine it's like way too long for what it is uh uh magnolia i think that to me is the pinnacle of his just all everything that i'm criticizing about yes him. well that's what i thought of because I, when you started talking uh, about those criticisms i was like he's definitely yeah. talking about magnolia <laughs> i mean that is that to me that is what magnolia is yeah that is just what it is it's all those things and and nothing else his other movies that i'm not crazy about at least embody a part of that even if they have other good elements right and yeah definitely like magnolia is just like is a complete like sack of bullshit to me that was just a bunch of fanciness um but yeah i'd be oh yeah i'm interested to give it a shot the, the licorice pizza shot now i like the 70s whatever yeah man that was another thing too like they nailed that the whole period is right. a fucking grand slam when you watch a movie that like there's a period piece and it is literally like oh i this is when i look through a book of that period and it looks identical to that, like undistinguishable. And particularly if they do it with the filmmaking style as well. Yeah. Uh, That's such a really, critical piece. Yeah. Because it's so hard to do that. Like I remember I was talking to a, a music professor. He was talking about how this was not in college. This was just a guy I know. And he was, uh, uh, he was talking about how like, he, you know, like he, there was all these like garage rock bands and he was like, he couldn't figure out why none of them could like, completely mimic this the sound of the original garage rock bands you know these new garage rock bands and i was like because they've heard every garage rock band at this point and all the music that came after it you know yeah you can't like those guys they didn't have the influence of the other of the other music that came after them to think about you know they were going from this perspective and it's the same reason why like when an adult tries to draw like a little kid they can't do it but so so once a filmmaker is able or a musician or whatever is able to do that. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And that's also one of the things I know I already talked about this on, I think the last show or maybe the show before last, but when I mentioned how good the holdovers was, the holdovers also does that of just like capturing that pocket of time. Like remarkably, anything else you've seen or nope. get on to speaking of capturing a time and a place. Have you seen 2023's movie Bottoms? I did. Because I'll tell you, buddy. Oh, okay. You you said this was like one of the sleepers of the last year. In the first minute, I was like, okay, this is going to make or break it. What what do they got for me? Am I going to roll my eyes and check out or am I on board? I'll tell you, man. They had me with the opening credits. They fucking had me. It was like a Penelope Spheris movie or like uh-huh. an MTV Films movie from like around the year 2000 
with like the vibe and the music and like just all all those elements and i was like all right let's see what it you got was that, but it also did feel very modern at the same time not in the sort of modern trapping of like we're trying to recreate something like they actually right. nailed it Elliot, yeah, i don't know if you know this about hmm. me but I am not a high school or a college-aged uh, lesbian woman. Is that true? That is I'm true. Going to re- I am reevaluate a- so much about our friendship. God, can you believe that? That's crazy. That yeah. there would be so many unrelatable things in this movie, specifically made for a different type of audience. However. Right. That's not to say that it couldn't be a lot of fun being a fly on the wall watching the events that unfold. Well, I mean, I think that is a hallmark of good filmmaking is, one, it's like you shouldn't necessarily have to have something be relatable to you if it is well made and it is presented in a way that it can be understood by anyone. And then also, like, yes, like you said, you're not a high school uh lesbian high school age lesbian which is what this movie is about but regardless of the specifics of that there are also human experiences that kind of transcend individual circumstances and if a movie or story of any kind does a good job of conveying that it should be relatable to you on some level even if it's something that's never specifically happened to you in this exact context you know well, and it's funny because sometimes things can be, d- depending on how they're structured or presented or whatever, they can be alienating. And you can be right. sort of completely displaced by uh, a very hyper-specific you know, story or character or whatever. But mm-hmm. it can also go the other way where it does has the opposite effect and it pulls you in and creates interest and, and makes you want to know more. Let's just set this up for people who aren't familiar with it, because I think probably it's a case for a lot of people, because this movie kind of popped in theaters for a little bit. Like I said, it was a, to me, it was a big sleeper. And the premise of it is, I think, just the pen premise on paper is a lot different than the actual movie itself. So it is about two best friends in their senior year of high school uh, who are both lesbians, who are both trying to get laid unsuccessfully. So they start a women's self-defense club at school as a means to meet girls and get and like wrestle with them and like get close to them. Right. Yeah, that's right. This is a sex comedy. Yes. That is the basic premise. And like when you read that, or if you transpose genders and sexual orientations, this sounds like something that we've seen some version of, a thousand times before and it's all just been about like dick and boob jokes right yeah which is that's not what this is at all right i mean there are those types of jokes in there but they're played completely differently no it's more about the hilarity of graphic violence well it is and it (laughs) yes and we'll get to that too so i mean to me this is incredible satire in a lot of ways. And it's also just like this. I mean, there's all types of comedy. There's satire. There's screwball comedy. Um, there's all this different stuff going on. And when I texted you, I was like, hey, have you seen this? You might want to do this. It kind I think I said something along the lines of this kind of has the tone of good era Simpsons. Except that it's live action. 
uh, and is about two lesbian high school girls. And you and then you texted me when you were watching me like this is kind of like a live action Bob's Burgers episode. And I thought yeah that was also a good comparison. But it, to me it's like that in those senses like one I think that's an incredibly hard tone to pull off in live action, you know? And I think one of the things they do they do well in it is by playing it playing all the ridiculous stuff relatively straight, right? I think that helps them a lot in pulling off that tone. But also but having that tone and like that kind of attitude, it subverts all of those kind of cliche jokes, you know, that we've seen before and get kind of shines them in a new light. And you also said the hilarity of violence, right? A lot of times like graphic violence, which is a lot of graphic violence in this movie is that's the gag in and of itself. Right. But, and this is always kind of servicing something else at the same time. I think anyway. Oh, is that the end of your thought? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> then you say something like elaborate and I'll be like, well, you see, and then you, and then you're like, oh, I, I see what you're going at and I'm blah, blah, blah. Oh, did you, know? you have more? No, I'm, it's called a back and forth. Oh, Keith. Come I on. was thinking about the, when they stab the guy at the end with the big broadsword. And mm-hmm. I was like, that seems a little like there's going to be consequences. <laughs> right. But there's not. <laughs> no, there isn't. Well, that's also kind of like one of the funny gags about this about this too is like the whole premise is they like one of them has like a arm in a sling and they're like, what happened to you? Like, did you get beat up in juvie? And they're like, yes, as a joke, they're they not being serious. But then it, it gets taken seriously. So all these rumors start about the about the two girls, about how they've been to juvie and have like killed multiple people, having to fight, being forced to fight in prison fight, fight uh, clubs and stuff. That's one so of the things these... I liked about the movie is that all of the the surrounding supporting characters populating this world are so brain dead that right. they'll believe anything and they get things right. wrong constantly. They misinterpret things. They don't understand anything. It's just like a, a like a world populated by these marshmallows. Well, but everything in the movie is completely literal, right? To the, every character, right? And the way every character behaves is completely literal, except for the two main characters, right? And that's where a lot of the humor is derived. I know you commented about like how how there was too much swearing in it. You know, uh, you, you I love how that, that makes me night. sound like an old codger. I know it really does, but I do understand your point, and we've talked about this before. I think it quite applies here because of the literalness of everything like when they're at the beginning of we're at the school fair and they're introducing the the football team right and the kids are they're all running out and whoever's on the megaphone is like look at these fucking hunks look at these fucking dumb pieces of shit they're so fucking hot you know obviously that would never be said in real life at a school function but that's how stupid that they would be saying something equivalently they're stupid in a more acceptable format or like the way the principal talks to the two girls in the principal office when he's yelling at them he's just swearing at them and saying all this shit he'd be saying something equally as offensive and dumb but masked in all of these like school approved words in real life right well and that's it to me this to, is just that's your what you're saying is exactly to my point because I, I was actually referencing the principal 
uh, specifically. And you're right on the money because it it would be masked by sort of a bureaucratic presentation. But that's what deludes the characterization. All of a sudden, the principal right. is just like the students, but he's wearing a sweater vest. Right? There's no distinction. Oh, there's no distinction. But I think that's I think because they have the consistency there with everyone beyond our like two main characters and also a little bit of I can't remember there's like kind of like the semi third main lead. Yeah, uh, with the rich mom. Yes. Right? She's also kind of like obviously they all operate in this fantasy world, you know, of non reality compared to us where there's no cons- real consequences for murder and all this stuff as long as it's funny. But uh, she has somewhat more of a grasp on what's going on, of what's actually going on around her than the other characters. Yeah. You know? uh, so I think that's that consistency works within the framework of this story. And I totally get your point. And I would agree with you in 99% of other circumstances, but for me here, it works. You know, I was just gonna say he was barely, he's barely in it. You know, he's just kind of like pops in and out a few times. He is, but there's also another scene where I think it's a handful of characters are just kind of quickly exchanging dialogue. And it's just like, like if I closed my eyes, I wouldn't be able to tell who's talking kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, "Eh, you know, you guys could have, with just a little bit of extra effort, like, but I mean, that's also like very granular nitpicking. So right, we don't need to fixate on it too much. Well, like I said earlier, I think they're, they're pulling off something that's very difficult to pull off tonally, tonally wise. So any like kind of like minor things like that to me are pretty forgivable because I'm very impressed in how they're able to trans translate this rather like cartoony tone to a real world set setting. And like I said, I plan it straight and not just in the performances, but also like this really isn't like uh, lit and shot like most comedies, you know, it has a little bit more effort put into it than your, 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 your normal, just like slapsticks thing, you know? And I think that also kind of helps sell the absurdity without it just de- devaluing it. You know, I think the, one of the big things that kind of set the tone right away was the, notion that no one dislikes the main characters because they're gay specifically but because they're gay and untalented and untalented yes it's a it's a kind of a little bit of a running gag throughout the rest of the movie but it also kind of like sets up this idea of like we've made progress but not like all the way and there's right. this this yeah. perception of gay characters as these sort of like there's another character later on that was like back when I was growing up they just hated me because I was gay like you right like you you guys you live in a little bit of a different are. world and now everyone's upset because they can't like sing and dance and kill right. it at the talent show that's yeah they're funny. not like the they're not like they're not filling into the stereotypical tropes of what gay people should be able to do type of thing yeah exactly although all that commentary there it like works so well. And it's not like in the sense that it's like super subtle or layered, but it's so witty and sharp. Yeah, it's just clever. That's all. You know, that it doesn't feel heavy handed either, you know. And it uh, also puts and, the, the characters in this position as kind of, uh, you know, lovable loser types, which is why they, they sort of surround themselves with, 
similar misfits. And one of them being the uh, I like the character of the like Christian Republican girl, like kind of the uptight right. girl that joins them, yeah. just to call their uh, you know their morality into into question on occasion. That's a pretty fun right. little contrast. But it is they start this Fight Club after an incident at a pep rally where a football player gets real aggressive. Uh, after like it's violent towards them. Yeah, and then they, <laughs> I love. I like the portrayal of the the football guy Jeff. Uh, yeah. He's one of these super animated, like insane characters. But then they also he's uh, trying to prevent them from leaving the parking lot with his girlfriend, and they nudge him ever so gently in the shin with the bumper of their car. After like telling him forty times, we're going to start driving. Get out of the way. Yeah, and it it completely incapacitates him. Yes. And apropos of nothing, like it doesn't, it's completely like off the wall and that kind of sets everything in motion actually. Right. Cause then they get called to the principal's office and that's when they're like, like, Oh no, we're like trying to teach women self-defense. We want to start this club and blah, blah, blah. And then the first, at first that's their excuse. And then they realize that it's a means to like meeting girls, you know, and getting them, Trying to trying to romance them and whatnot. Yeah, it really, it sort uh, of all spills out from there. And yeah, I mean, this is also like most of the cast are relatively unknown actors. Uh, one of the leads unknown she, to I mean, us. She's, yes, young and one these of the young leads, people know they're on TikTok, buddy. Uh, uh, well, one of one of the leads is the actress from The Bear who just won an. Uh, golden globe or an emmy or something yo to her credit she's, she's in this like this like zone of like i can't tell how old she is because on the bear she seems dude she seems young but definitely older and then right. in this she fits in perfectly as a she high seems school like she's kid. 17 years old right? yeah it's yeah, really I was incredible like, I, was, I was shocked because i haven't really watched the bear but i've seen some episodes and she's also i've seen her in a pop up in a couple other things um, she she's in theater camp as well, and I've so she, yeah she looks like an adult in those things, and then I watched this and I was just like you are fourteen years old yeah I completely believe it that's pretty cool uh, because there are some characters who I think look older and too old or whatever but as yeah. sort of a in more of a gag type sense versus like there's a lot of characters who like fit right in and don't it doesn't take you out of the the experience oh well it's also funny is probably the most famous person in the whole thing is marshawn lynch the football player who's not even famous for acting i'm sure a but, lot of people thought that the, his cameo is funny and like haha marshawn's acting it's a good try buddy but i thought he sucked <laughs> really <laughs> i did he was terrible i thought he i thought he worked perfectly i don't think he's a good actor per se not at all but I think he worked perfectly fine within the context of what was going on. I like, thought his his little monologue about his divorce, kind of tore after the uh, the assembly, uh-huh. was pretty funny. Where he just starts talking to someone who's not there. I thought that was pretty funny, yeah. but that was mostly due to the the writing. Right. Uh, exactly. I think overall, I don't, th- uh, <coughs> I don't think he should be going out for all these. Ed- roles or anything no i think there's lots of people who are gonna think that you know they're gonna laugh out loud and just because of the the oddball placement but also who knows maybe he'll become the next uh who's a funny football player from the movies oj yeah 
maybe not a good example. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But who knows? You know what? Maybe this is the first of many yeah. for him. But I don't know. I necessarily think it should. I think he worked perfectly fine within the context of how his character was written and directed. Yeah. But yeah, not that he's necessarily an exceptional actor. And he also is one of those guys that has natural charisma, which, of course, goes a long, long way. What are some of the big standout scenes to you, the ones that are kind of cement this as like, oh, you can't miss? That's really funny because, you know, um, to me this movie was like, you even, because I just watched this the other night, and then you watched it a couple nights after me, and you were texting me some things like, oh, this part's great, and there's so much stuff happening, and it's just like, I was, you know, like, there's so many, like, jokes that just build and build and build on each other. You were like, you text me something. I was like, I don't even remember that part because <laughs> I was probably laughing over it. Or, yeah. you know, it, it's hard, kind of hard to select individual things. I can think of, like, individual gags that made me really laugh really hard. Like, when Marshawn Lynch is, like, teaching class and he's writing on the board, like, who invented feminism? And he writes, Glorious Diamond. A man, another woman. That made me laugh really hard. Yeah. The conversation at the end where it's like, man, we just killed all these people. Like, I don't think they're dead. Like, no, 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 they're dead. They're dead, all right. Like, that made me laugh a lot. So after that big climactic fight scene on the football field, I looked down yeah. at for a second. And then when I looked up, like that tree exploded. Yes. Did I miss something in between? Or was that just like the tree exploded? Well, remember, like, there's the girl who loves making bombs? Yeah, she blows up the car. She blows up the car. She had set a... That was originally going to be their distraction. Oh. She set a bomb on that tree, but it didn't go off. Right. So, it was just it was just a delayed explosion. Got it. what it was. Um, you know what's a scene that I actually... I don't think is a funny scene, but I think is a really strong scene in terms of, like, selling a lot of the messages about... Because at first you could be like, this movie is like pro-violence and, and all that stuff. But it actually has a lot to say about like the way we value violence in society. Is the scene in the gym where there's they trick one of the girls into fighting one of the guys on the football team. And up until then, all the violence has been pretty funny and slapsticky and stuff. And that scene is just incredibly brutal and realistic and mean. You know, I think... Yeah. Uh, I think that is a crux to what makes the satire of this movie work, you know? And I remember uh, reading an interview with uh, Takashi Miyake, who directed like movies like uh, Itchy the Killer and Audition, like all these like super hyper-violent Japanese films. And I remember like someone talking to him about how violent his movies are and whatnot. And specifically they were referencing, because this was like probably like... <laughs> early to mid 2000s like when he was like really at the height of his like appeal in the west because people were like these movies are crazy uh and he goes i don't really view my movies as that violent you know he goes to me a movie like dirty harry is a lot more violent than anything i make because dirty harry like beats up people indiscriminately shoots people indiscriminately and is the hero of the movie and they just kind of move on from it and he was talking about how in it's a killer. He has all this like hyper, like over the top, goofy violences, and then he juxtaposes it right next to something that's like really nasty and brutal that actually happens 
off screen, but it feels way more violent and uncomfortable than the blood splattering and the guts flying and, and everything. And I don't think the messages in the, the, those two movies are the same as this one in Bottoms, but it's doing a similar thing where it's making an, a genuine commentary on violence in general, but also like violence is violence between the sexes and the, and the, the threat of physical power over women by men, you know, because that's an important scene in the movie. And then I, it sure is myself. How about you? What's a, what's a movie? What's a scene that, uh, that uh, cements this for you movie for you. Oh, I Other like the, the uh, I like the scene in the cafeteria where they uh, almost kill the main football guy by giving him pineapple. So uh-huh. there's like a fruit cup with pineapple in it, and his friend is like, "What? What is this? There's pineapple in it. You could have killed him." And then they throw the fruit cup, and it hits the the other kid, and like because the goth he. Kid? Yeah, he gets hit by a fruit cup. He immediately starts making a list of people he's going to kill. <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's like, that's the last straw. And like, goes, plans to blow up school. And like, starts making a schematic. Uh, I think you're right, though, about the, the violence definitely, like, escalates. It starts out, I think there is consequences to it. Like, we start out yes. with the, the guy getting hit by the car, and it's like a funny sight right. gag and whatever. But once they start the fight club and start hitting each other... There's like real like people get broken noses and their faces yeah. are bruised and uh you know they show improvement over time right there's like they right. put some effort into showing the uh, the kind of the consequences of violence and uh uh not just laughing it off or you know making right. it like throwaway gags and stuff but that fight scene the the football player versus uh the other girl it really is like it's pretty rough, but they're also painting, you know, this sort of like underdog situation and you're like rooting right. for yes that character to win by any means necessary. The and then obviously it, as everything you're escalates. Rooting for? You're rooting for the fo- football player? No, for the, the girl. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm teasing. Who does, and the choreography is actually kind of fun because it starts out as like... Uh, She's not very confident, and then all of a sudden she mm-hmm. kind of finds her footing and her abilities, and she's like blocking strikes and countering and yeah. doing all this different stuff. It's actually pretty cool. Like they didn't yeah. really have to be that thoughtful with it for mm-hmm. a comedy. You know, they could have just been real wacky and called it a day. But it looks like they actually put some extra effort in. Now I think the uh, the only things I really that didn't work for me was. Like, some of it's personal preference. Like, watching, like, you know, kids in their 20s hook up now is, like, it's kind of, like, I'm not super interested in that. So Skeezy feeling? Not even, like, skeezy necessarily, but it's just, like... Yeah. It's, like, it's one of those things that's, like, especially not for me. And so I'm just, like, all right, can we get to, can we, like, move on? Uh, but there's not like a ton of that in this movie. No, I mean, no. like, even though that's kind of like the inciting, like, the goal to propel the plot, it's not 
doesn't happen very much throughout the movie. No, and why well, I actually like the the moment at the football game where uh, they the two girls start kissing and the entire crowd just stops in silence and gawks. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I was kind of expecting like a little bit more scope. Mm. Like they pretty much stick to the same couple of locations, right? And they're mostly at yeah. the school and the football field. And so the movie doesn't feel very big. I was hoping for like maybe like a little bit of a road trip moment or yeah. like go to the next town or something like or even like go up in the hills. Just like a little bit of varied uh-huh. like in terms of location and geography just to make it feel bigger. Yeah. Uh, so that was well, one you gripe. also really like I know one of your hobbies is like you watch a movie and then you try to physically recreate a map of everywhere the characters have gone and try to see how, and then you play the movie again and you lay that piece of paper up against the screen transparently and then you follow and trace it and see how closely you match up. I know that's something you really like to do and that I guess this movie really didn't provide a lot of opportunity for that. Right? Yeah, I've like little like Monopoly type pieces that I yeah. move through as they're progressing yeah. through the story, they move around on the map. Right. So, I mean, but that's more like a hobby, like a personal hobby thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I did laugh at yeah. the, like the like I said earlier, the wackier sort of bits, like the football players being like totally unhinged and crazy. Yes. Uh, the principal and like some of the stuff with, uh, like when they would hold their uh, the club meetings, pretty funny. And then the big climax yeah. at the end is pretty funny also, even though there's some yeah. dodgy uh, fight coverage like there's a scene where the like christian girl bites a football player on the leg and she's not even close so bad and i was like all right hold on like i get this is a comedy but you're also not going for like schlock you're going for like the the hilarity of like stylized like ultra violence right and so like and there's a couple of like like hits where the actor swinging was doing a fine job, but then the actor reacting was like off. Like there was just some bad, real bad coverage that like kind of bummed me yeah. out. And maybe that doesn't yeah. matter, but it's just something I noticed. It's I noticed it too, you know, in the light in that like final big brawl, which obviously giant brawls are harder to film than like one on one fights and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's definitely noticeable, and it wasn't that upsetting to me because, like you said, it's not really a fight movie or an action movie. But it could have been better for sure. Yeah, just a little bit of an extra. Let's do that one more time. But right, that's kind of it for Grice. But I love uh, at the end, like when they get the the pineapple juice uh, in the sprinklers, like shuts off, and uh, yeah, uh, everyone just starts slow clapping for uh, yeah. for no reason. That's pretty great. Well, I also like to me the best part of that was like they have this big elaborate like plan to get the football players off the field because the they know they figured out the pineapple juice is going to come out of the sprinklers and then after it starts going off after the football players are gone someone just walks over and like very casually turns off the faucet and that was all that was actually necessary to stop everything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I you know I don't really have a tremendous amount more to praise or knock about this, but I would recommend it. I think it's one of those movies that I, I'll be able to just kind of like 
throw on anytime when I'm just like, I don't know what I want to watch or I just need something in the background while I'm doing something else. Uh, it was a very like lovely, pleasant movie for me. Hey buddy, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Hey, thanks. All right. Well, I think that probably wraps this one up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, we'll be back. What number is this? 98? 97. 97? Jesus. Okay, well, (coughs) getting that much closer to 100. We'll see what happens. All right, so thanks, everyone. Uh, Until next time, and Keith, what do you always say? Could the ugly, untalented gays please report to the principal's office? And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.